matter if you're three or 85. You know, we wanted the, the shows that you can go to it and enjoy it. No age limit. No, it doesn't matter who you are. You can enjoy the same thing. It's hard. You know, if you have kids to take your kid to go and watch a show, you know, whether it's be something on ice or, you know, anything, you know, trucks, anything. It doesn't mean you like it. You might be watching it for your kids, but we have the unique thing where you come to see us. Everybody's enjoying it. Harlem Globetrotters, Big Easy, Nate Lofton, and Global Director, Brand Marketer, Brent Baldwin, joined me this week on The Bond. I talked to them separately, and it's incredible how similar their tone, their voice, when they talk about the passion of the Globetrotters. Big Easy summarizes it best when he says, not everyone loves basketball, but everyone loves a smile on their face. He's been to 90 countries in his 15-year journey on the Globetrotters, including many U.S. military stops, as well as meeting the Pope. The Globetrotter is one of the few places in the world that is full family entertainment, where a toddler and grandparent and everyone in between can be equally amused and happy. Brent sets the stage about the 94-year history and brand strength of the Globetrotters, and the Big Easy brings it home with truly great storytelling, including some challenging times in his teenage years that forced him to mature faster than most. Um, as a kid in New Orleans, my dreams um, was to get my family out the projects, you know, um, just to live a better life, you know? Um, as far as the financial part of it. Um, so I wanted to be a professional athlete, and I knew being taller than everybody at an early age, um, basketball was a means to end. And uh, I always wanted to be that, and uh, I've been blessed to be a Globetrotters for 15 years, so I guess you can say I'm living my dream. Yeah, you know, it's a pretty astute comment to say, when we talk about dreams, that the first thing out of your mouth is helping your family. So how early do you recall that of that was so important that you wanted to change and, um, you know, make life better for you and ultimately everyone around you that were so important in your life? Well, I think it started out first, um, you know, selfishly at first, because, you know, at Christmas, you know, um, you know, we would get, you know, one toy or, maybe only one pair of sneakers for the, you know, for the school year or whatever. And some of my friends around me, you know, will be getting more stuff for some kids at school will have multiple toys and multiple gifts. And I knew at, you know, seven, six years old that, you know, I wanted to, you know, I foresee myself wanting to have more and wanted to help my mother. Cause I know my mother, she wanted to give me more, but financially she wasn't able to. So I never was, upset or angry at my mother and father, uh, I just want to um, be able to take care of them so I can give back to them all the hard work that they put in. And I also, I knew even at that early age that the most important thing was me was going to be making sure my kids were able to get whatever they wanted for Christmas mm. and, and, and just be provided, you know, the best I could, you know, so I was going to do whatever it takes to do that. And you said professional athlete, but you didn't say professional basketball player. So when you were a kid, were you thinking, I just want to be a pro and it could be across anything? Or were you already basketball was your thing? Um, I think basketball was my thing because I was so tall. I was, yeah. <laughs> I was um, you know, in the third grade, you know, you eight years old, you told the teacher. Um, <laughs> Yeah. You got to go do something, you know, uh, you got to at least try, you know, um, I didn't know, I didn't, you know, I had no clue if I was going to be any good, but um, I was going to put forth the effort to be able to 
play the game. I enjoy the game. And, you know, being poor, ba- basketball is the perfect sport. You know, all you need is one ball, two hoops, whether we were playing on milk crates or whether we, whether we were just using the clothesline as baskets um, in the projects. You know, we still can play the game, you know. Or you can just go get your ball and dribble a ball, you know. And growing up also, coming up in that tough environment, um, the drug dealers and the killers, you know, they don't mess with with, with um, kids who play in sports. Mm-hmm. And they, that's one thing they respect. And they, if you play in the sport, um, that's hands off. So, uh, you know, it actually the game saved my life. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. And and was that common? I mean, truly common? You just mentioned playing a game with clothesline and milk crates. Is that is that how some of the basketball games were played? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, indeed. Especially, you know, at, at, you know, six, seven years old, you know, you can't shoot on a big hoop. Also, you wasn't allowed to play on a big hoop because the guys out there on the court, they playing, you know, they're older guys, you know, you know, you maybe can shoot around in between games or something, but unless you could really play, you could get on the court. You know, I maybe got on the court um, at eight years old because I was, you know, a little taller, but, you know, I still wasn't getting, getting picked first until I prove I can to really get out there and play. But, you know, we would be out there on the clothesline. And it was a way for um, my, my mother and, and the other parents to keep us, you know, right in front of the window. You know, my mom would just uh, have the window open and she can hear where I'm at. She didn't have to work. She didn't have to go look around. She knew that I was right there, you know. So um, it was also safer. Mm. And I know we've shared this before. You you go through this this age where you're you're already taller than teachers at the age of eight. But your high school, your your world shifted a little bit with uh, some family additions on your side, but also some challenges you, with your father uh, yeah. being hurt too, right? Yeah. Well, when I was a senior, um, I had my first daughter. Um, she's nineteen now. Actually, she wow. was sophomore in college. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting old. I'm getting old. Um, and my, my dad, uh, it coincided with my father getting hurt at work. He was a longshoreman on, on, uh, at the port in New Orleans. Um, he actually saved somebody's life and almost got his own wow. foot cut off in the process. Um, but he, he couldn't work and he had to rehab to get back to work. Um, and my mother had to stop her job to help him get back. And it was like right when I was graduating high school when it happened, you know, trying to pursue a college. And I set out for two years of college, um, not going to college to work and make sure my daughter was okay. I took care of my mother, my father, my daughter's mother and my little brother, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I took care of everybody and, um, but it was, you know, it was, it, it made me who I am today. You know, it wasn't like, I don't consider that a burden. You know, I don't consider that like, a a setback if that makes any sense to you yeah. you know um i felt like um i wouldn't have been able to meet the people i was i've been able to i met and, um the timeline of everything lined up with me because you know you know some of my best friends are, are people who i played college ball with and if i would have came out two years earlier we would have never crossed paths and you know um after i got out of college hurricane katrina hit and then you know I was just getting out of college, and we was eva- we had to evacuate to Houston, and that's where the Globetrotters had the the trial, and I made the team. So, you know, if I would have went to college two years earlier, no, no telling what I what I have been doing at that time in 2005. I may have been playing basketball overseas, or you know, anywhere, you know. So, um, I looked at you know that that was a blessing. It, it, it made me um, it mature, it made me mature fast taught me to be responsible and you know from that day on you know, my life has been about 
taking care of others and making sure everyone else is straight before I take care of myself, which is a, I think it's a good trait to have. Yeah. It's something I try to pass down to my kids. Uh, it's, a, it's a great trait to have. So where did you see the ad or how did you hear about the tryout for Harlem Globetrotters in Houston? My, uh, my um, the, the Globetrotters was in touch with my agent and my agent called me. I had been in the hotel for like a week or two in the motel in the Motel 6, actually, and it was like 13 of us in two rooms. <laughs> and I just wanted to get out the room. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, so um, I was like, yeah, yeah yes, I'll go and work. It was, it was like a workout. You know, I'll go and work out. And, you know, when you go in and you got 13 people in two rooms and you don't have any money, you don't know how you're going to pay for the room, you know, the next week. You know, FEMA hadn't started, you know, giving out any vouchers yet. Yep. We were standing in line for rare call skip cards and things like that. And, um, I, you know, I was going to work out and just blow some steam off. And um, we actually got there. And when I realized that I couldn't get a job from it, um, you know, who was going to outplay me that day? You know, and yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to make a team to, um, not, at that time, I had two daughters. I had my one-year-old, my, my other daughter that came out, she's 50 now. Um, so it's like, I was going to do whatever I had to do, you know, and that's been my mentality already, you know, before I got to college, coming out of high school, I had to go do what I had to do. I had to go and bust tables in the restaurant and wash dishes at six feet, nine inches. And, you know, didn't, wasn't ashamed of it at all. You know, it was something I had to do, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I went and, you know, I, I, I did what I, what I do as far as in, you know, basketball and, and they like my personality and, 90 countries later, um, 15 years later, you know, now I'm a, one of the elder statesmen on the team. <laughs> so, so somewhere in this path, you, you and a teammate jumped over and joined the amazing race, not just for w one run, but you ultimately did mm -hmm. it for, for three times. So did you take a little hiatus or what, what was the impetus to try the amazing race? Oh, well, the teammate is uh, Fight Time. He was actually, he was also the best man at my wedding. He yep. was one of my best yep. friends. Okay. Um, he, he was coach. My college coach was also his college coach at another school. So we had a connection before I even joined the Globetrotters, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, real good guy. Taught me how to be a professional, you know. And I, I, I always, you know, try to do the same when the new guys come on now. Um, but, you know, I like the Amazing Race. You know, he liked the Amazing Race. Our parents liked the Amazing Race. And, you know, with the Globetrotters, you travel, you know, for, you know, five, six, seven, sometimes 10 months out the year. So I wanted, you know, it was cool to be able to have something where my family can see me, you know, see my face, you know, because every Sunday, you know, you know, there's 13 million people watching, you know, of course my family is going to be in that number. And I was able to show my daughters, you know, um, that, you know, you can travel the world competing for a million dollars and not be a bad person and not be cutthroat. You know, you can have fun. You can have a smile on your face. And, you know, if you win, cool. If not, you still win because you came off as, you know, you show people who you really were, which is a good person. Mm. And you talked about traveling the world there. I know in your 90 countries in 15 years at the Harlem Globetrotters, you've had the opportunity to present and perform in front of the Pope. And you're on military bases all the time, which I, I imagine is a special treat, too. Yeah, I love the bases. You know, we, we, we usually go to the bases, you know, somewhere around holiday time, you know, around Christmas, around Thanksgiving. And um, it's awesome to give back to the troops because, you know, there's no way I would be able to, to accomplish going to 90 countries if not for them, you know, putting their lives on the lives to, um, to make 
you know, make it as a smooth trip for us. You know, they, you know, they protect us, you know, around the world, you know, and so the beauty to go over there for Thanksgiving and Christmas when they're missing their families to be able to go over there and put on the show for them. Um, it's it's an honor. It's priceless. Mm. You know, I, I really appreciate it. And you talk about putting on a show. I imagine when you're in an arena, you've got a, a three-year-old over here on the left, and you've got an 80-year-old on the right, and everybody in between. Uh, sometimes they're smiling. Sometimes they're crying. So there's probably a lot of not just showmen, but improv and, and reacting to what the crowd is doing to figure out what you do next. Well, you know what? It's funny you say that, the 3 to 80, because that's something I always say. It doesn't matter if you're 3 or 85. You know, we wanted the, 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 the shows that um, that you you can go to and enjoy. No age limit. No, It doesn't matter who you are. You can enjoy the same thing. It's hard, you know, if you have kids to take your kids to go and watch a show, you know, whether it be something on ice or, you know, anything, you know, trucks, anything. It doesn't mean you like it. You might be watching it for your kids, but we have the unique thing where you come to see us everybody's enjoying it like last night i was doing a show in maryland and um uh, virginia i think i forgot where i was at i'm sorry one of, <laughs> sorry. One of them yep. I, I want, I'm, in, uh, I'm in west virginia today um but um a uh, uh, lady and her daughter walked up and she was like i've been trying to do this since i was a kid and my daughter you know you know she didn't want to come and um because you know and her daughter stepped in and said yeah because i don't like basketball then she had the biggest smile on her face and mm-hmm. she was like well this is more than basketball. She said, I'm so happy that I came. You guys were amazing. And it was super fun. And her, her mother was like, thank you. You know, thank you for letting me fulfill a childhood dream. And thank you for letting me share this with my daughter. Um, and that just goes to show you, like, you know, it doesn't matter what you want to see. Is it basketball? We have that. Entertainment, we have that, you know. Um, you know, we're unique. And it's awesome, you know, to add live. Last night I was doing a bit and the lady just happened to be walking by and you know I started messing with her and I ran behind a kid because he was walking slow to his seat you know and um it's just fun it's, it's cool I think that's the best part you know, of the of what I do is the ad lib so you know people know that you know it's not staged you know when I just do something off the cuff something happened random you know it's it's that's awesome. It's unique and, and it's funny and it's a great, you know, interaction with the fans that people really appreciate. I mean, you can't get that from anywhere else. Yeah. Is there a particular play? I, I see some fun videos of your little your baby shark routine and then mm-hmm. throw a little whale on the referee <laughs> who's mm-hmm. lined up in the middle. Is there a particular play over the years that uh, that you just love doing? It gets the reaction every time that the crowd's just so excited to see. Um you know, I love when I, I could just when someone's in their phone or something and um, got their head down. Or, uh, you know, maybe I, I it's my fault sometimes because you know we have the Harlem Globetrotter app, so I tell them go to the app and download the app, and <laughs> and then and as they're doing it, I say, hey, what you doing on your phone? Why are you not watching me? And this that surprise of them being me, you know, of, of me on my teammates being that close to them and right up on them and taking their phone or sitting on their lap, you know, or you know eating their hot dog or something. It's cool. I just love the interaction. I just love. Uh, after the game where, you know, someone tells you, you know, like, hey, I haven't seen this as Meadowlark and Curly, you know, you 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 make them proud, you know. Um, it's the ultimate compliment when, when someone just says thank you for a, a great night with my family, you know, so. Yeah, well, the brand yeah. is so strong. I mean, you mentioned Curly Neal. I think um, 
I'm, you know, 40 plus. I won't go too deep into what that is, but I mean, 40 years ago, I'm watching Curly Neal on Scooby Doo. Um, so that what you guys have been able to do to keep that brand fresh and strong through 94 years is incredible. And you guys are you're heading out now and beginning the 2020 tour. So, what, what do these what do families around the world expect to see with the new tour coming up? Well, it's the Push and Limits tour, and that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna push the limits. We 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 got some of the greatest ball handlers in the world. We have a ball handler from the Ukraine. We got the first from Ukraine, the first ball handler from China, and we got the first um, ball handler from Poland. Um, so you know that's that's gonna be amazing. They do a lot of stuff with the balls. Um, you know we have you know over twenty some odd um, Guinness World Records. Um, so we're gonna try to break break some world records during the show. Um, every night in every city, which I think is awesome to be a, to be able to witness a world record being uh, being broken or attempted. Um, and you're just going to see what you expect. You know, I, I want to have a great family fun, sit back, relax, laugh, get your popcorn, and just you know, just watch your kids and, and watch your grandparents and anybody in between have fun. You know, I think we are great. Christmas gifts because it's a gift that keep giving. I myself, like almost everybody I talk to, has a Harlem Globetrotters memory from their childhood. Um, I went to the now demolished Omni Arena <laughs> in Atlanta, Georgia, with my dad, uh, mid 1980 something. Um, and it's one of those kind of like foundational moments for me as I think back on my childhood, um, you know, being a kid and uh, all the pressures of life that you think are so important at six, seven, eight years old, um, they all faded away that day. I felt empowered. I felt, uh, invincible. Like I could do anything, like I could be anything. Um, you know, those two hours that I spent, uh, at the arena with my dad, um, I, I don't think there was a smile that ever came off of my face at any point. Um, I, I don't remember a single player. I don't remember a single play. I don't remember a single joke or a gag. Um, <clears throat> but I do remember walking out of that arena, going back to our car, holding his hand, looking up at him, feeling incredibly loved, feeling incredibly valued and prioritized in my life. I mean, it was just uh, its one of those magical family memories from my childhood. Uh, and it's something that I try to kind of impart on every one of our guests that comes to a game. It's a big approach that I take as we think about what does the brand, the Harlem Globetrotters, stand for and how do we kind of market that experience to our potential guests. What What is it then? What is what is it about the Harlem Globetrotters that makes somebody feel that? Because those are, those are some special words. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's um, – it's that perfect blend of sports entertainment. So you see some things that happen that you won't see at a traditional basketball game uh, with that kind of family bonding experience. You know, our games are unique in that uh, our showman who runs the show uh, half of the action takes place away from the ball. You know, he's up and in the audience. He's posing for selfies, which obviously they didn't do in the 80s when I was there. But, um, you know, he's in the audience posing for selfies, uh, eating popcorn out of people's buckets, uh, you know, sitting down, having a conversation. Um, it's that really unique fan interaction that happens between our players and, and between the guests. And how much of that 50% off-court 
is uh, scripted or um, they just have a sense of finding uh, folks with great smiles and just entertaining them? Uh, it's a little bit of both. So some of it is, you know, we, we have some routines that uh, we're kind of known for and people get excited about. Uh, recently, one of our traditions is the is baby Simba and the Lion King and going out into the audience and picking a child and holding it up. Um, and so we know that that's going to happen at some point during the game. Yep. Um, but a lot of it is just that uh, our showmen and really our players as a whole, uh, they're entertainers just as much as they are athletes. So it just comes natural for them to go out into the audience and have fun. Um, you, you'll notice that our bench rarely has players sitting on it resting until they go back in the game because they're off doing something else fun or they found a kid that you know is excited to be there so they're going off or maybe somebody doesn't have a smile on their face they're over there trying to you know change that frown into a smile um it's it's just kind of a reaction that comes naturally for them um you know and most of them are fathers mothers you know brothers sisters aunts uncles things like that so they just they just have this natural instinct of how to interact with fans and, and have a great experience yeah and and you talked about mid 80s and for me gulp maybe late 70s when i had that first experience in the the Curly Neals and the Meadowlark Lemons. Uh, back then, the individuals, the showmen, the entertainers, as, as they're called, as you say, didn't have the ability to brand themselves. The new Harlem Globetrotters 2019, or the last 10 years of all professional sports entertainment, they do. Social media uh, has changed the way people are able to interact directly. So talk about your your showman entertainers and how they use those platforms and also how you as a brand probably watch that and see that interaction and and maybe use that in terms of maybe a person that should be uh, highlighted or, or a featured performer because of what you see with that interaction yeah we have uh we have three primary showmen so we have uh, big easy we have hammer and we have highlight um, and they're all larger than life entertainers and personalities. Um, and you know, what's interesting is we promote and we highlight that they are the showmen and they're the ones that are kind of the captain on the court. Um, but we're also very intentional about reminding our fans that the brand and the name, the Harlem Globetrotters on the front of the Jersey is so much more important than the name and the number on the back of the jersey. So while a traditional NBA team may be built and driven by the individual stars uh, or the talent that is on the court, um, our fan base is really built by that larger brand relevancy and that brand interest. So, if, for example, with uh, Big Easy Lofton, he has been on The Amazing Race for three different seasons, and he's probably our most popular individual player. Um, but we don't go out and promote just Big Easy. We always promote the Harlem Globetrotters. Um, he's actually not super active on social media. Um, when I talk to him, he actually says that podcasts, ironically, are his favorite source of, uh, of entertainment and his uh, favorite media platform that he interacts with. Um, but he's not a big social media person. Um, some of our newer, our younger upcoming stars are very social active. 
Um, and one of the things that is amazing about the stars that come to play for the Harlem Globetrotters is they use all their platforms for good and they use their platforms to kind of help continue to build that brand as opposed to their own personal brand. Um, so they understand that when they're in uniform, when they're taking photos, when they're, you know, in the lobby with of a hotel late at night, a little kid comes up that they always represent our brand. Um, and they continue to do that on their social platforms and things like that. Um, but, you know, we, we are unique as a brand in that um, the Harlem Globetrotters and the legacy of 94 years that the current players represent is much more impactful and meaningful than their name and their number on the back of their jersey. And how do you guys keep learning and iterating and seeing what the fans want so that you can change what that live performance looks like? Yeah, we actually spend a lot of time on the road uh, interacting with our fans uh, seeing what show elements they uh, are positively reacting to and which ones kind of uh, makes a kid want to look back down at their smartphone or something. Mm. Uh, and we do a lot of real-time uh, adjustments. So we're just kicking off the 2019-2020 tour uh, in late December. Um, and the, the, the experience that you have at the game if you go see it now will be very different than if you go see it towards the end of the tour um in april um and you know because all of our stars are entertainers as much as they are athletes um it's not uncommon for them to add new plays add new jokes uh kind of do certain certain things that are unique to a city or to a special market uh the day of so we we rehearse and we practice for an hour to an hour and a half every day before the game so they're ironing out the kinks in a particular play or an alley-oop or a dunk or anything um but they're also coming up with new ideas trying new things out uh seeing what they can do to kind of continue to evolve the brand um, and in this new season, there's a lot of new things that have never been done before. Um, you know, our magic circle that we're kind of known for opening every game up with, we're actually going to do in the dark with a glow in the dark basketball for the very first time. And it really kind of dazzles and, and delights our our audience. And it's something familiar, but in a very unexpected way. Um, we also have kind of gone international this season and found three of the best ball handlers in the world mm. from China, Poland, and Ukraine um, and brought them out on the tour. So we always try to be the best of the best in every element of our game. And we had identified that ball handling was one of those areas that we were great, but we were not the best of the best. So we went and found them and we added them to the experience. So, you know, th there's a lot of iconic things that the Globetrotters are known for. Um, it's part of what keeps guests coming back year after year. Uh, but every year, about 25 to 30% of the experience changes and is new and is different and exciting. And who are you a fan of? Uh, not Harlem Globetrotters and not Big Easy, who's also going to be on this pod with you a little bit later on. But when you watch entertainment and sports, where are you writing notes and saying, oh, the, those guys have figured it out or I like the way they think or they, they, they react well to what fans want and uh, continue to push the envelope? Who are you a fan of? 
Yeah, I so I'm a Georgia Tech grad, okay. and although our football season did not turn out the way that I had hoped for, um, I'm a huge fan of Jeff Collins and his entire staff and what he's doing to kind of understand that mindset of a 18 to 22 year old college student. Um, and you know, hype videos have been around for a long time, but I think that uh, his staff is doing a great job with that, uh, getting recruits excited about what it's like to play in downtown Atlanta at Georgia Tech, um, getting the fan base kind of re-energized and re-excited after a long period of, you know, ho-hum triple option, you know, pound the pound the dirt and it's a cloud of dust after three yards. Um, but, you know, I, I'm a fan of all of our Atlanta teams. I mean, I also think if you look at Atlanta United and how they have taken the MLS by storm, uh, you know, second year in winning the MLS Cup, making a deep run this year. Um, and it is a fan experience unlike nothing else. If you go out to Mercedes-Benz Stadium um, and see a game, I think they've done a great job embracing that older millennial sports fan that doesn't quite fit into basketball or baseball or football, but is really looking for that camaraderie. Um, that comes with being a sports fan and knowing that you're kind of united uh, and rallying around uh, a similar goal. And the Harlem Globetrotters forever have been associated with global goodwill. Is that something that continues to this, to this day? It is. So we have actually visited 124 uh, countries and territories, um, and we were actually just awarded a Guinness World Record for that um, in uh, early December of this year. Um, but we are. We're the ambassadors of goodwill. We were deemed that in the 1950s by the U.S. State Department. Um, and it's common for us to go out and do visits on behalf of the State Department. Um, in earlier of 2019, we actually went to Uzbekistan um, with a small contingency of some of our players. Um, and it's it's all just about that message of positivity. You know, we stand for smiles, service, and sportsmanship. So we want you to have fun. We want you to do it in a, in a good way. Um, and we want to do good while we're there. Um, so it's something that we continue to do. We just wrapped up our military tour um, with the Navy Entertainment Group. Um, and we went over to Europe and entertained our troops for about two weeks in 10 different countries. Um, and we'll continue that relationship in 2020 as well. But, you know, another unique thing about the Globetrotters is that we have what we call our Advanced Ambassadors Program. And that's when we send our players and our stars out into the cities a couple days or a couple weeks earlier for the traditional early morning PR. Let's do some videos at the venues, maybe a, a trick shot here or there like you've seen. But we also spend a lot of time going into elementary schools and sharing our bullying prevention message. Um, and we also spend a lot of time at children's hospitals kind of trying to put some smiles on some kids' faces that may not be able to actually come out to one of our games. Um, and that's a lot of the press that you don't see because our players do it just so unselfishly uh, because they really are great and caring individuals. When, when the, the men and women are going on those global goodwill tours and they're in uh, foreign lands, do, do kids in those countries, how familiar are they with the Harlem Globetrotters brand? Uh, it, it varies. Um, Uzbekistan was the concept of the Globetrotters was new to them. 
Uh, but you know, we always carry a basketball everywhere we go. And I think spinning a basketball on a kid's finger is one of those universal languages of fun. Um, and so as soon as, uh, as soon as our players start spinning the ball, doing some tricks, kind of, you know, the typical moves of spinning the ball around your shoulders and bouncing it off your elbows and things, uh, they all just kind of start smiling and delighting. Um, and then when we start telling them about what the Globetrotters stand for, that service, smiles, and sportsmanship, uh, they continue to kind of delight. Um, but uh, in most other countries where we play, we play an average about 40 to 50 countries a year. Um, you walk down the street uh, in the middle of Germany and everybody knows the Globetrotters um, and everybody runs up and starts asking for autographs and pictures and photos and things like that. And I'm going to talk to the Big Easy next. What makes you proud of having Big Easy as one of your showmen? Um, he is he is so genuine. He is so caring and kind. Um, you know, most recently, I got to take my daughters, my seven and three year old, out to experience their first Globe Trevor game just like I got to do with my dad in the eighties. Um, and fortunately, you know, big easy was there as the showman. And after the game, he spent probably 15 minutes with them talking to them. Um, did you have fun? What was your favorite part of the game? You know, it, it was so much more than let me sign an autograph and pose for a picture and kind of push you on your way because I've got a hundred other clamoring fans that are, that are asking for something similar. Um, and you know, every time I see him, he, he cares about me. He remembers my family. He talks about my family. Um, you know, we, we both have a love for grilling and doing things outdoors. So we always ask, should we call my wife and see if she's going to buy you that grill that you want for Christmas? Um, you know, it's, there, there's just a genuine relationship there that, um, I think is really special. Um, and it's very reciprocal and that he's appreciative of the hard work that our, our home office does uh, to market the shows, to fill the stands, to take care of them when they're on the road. And we're incredibly grateful the sacrifice that he makes and our entire team makes working 14, 16 hour days, sometimes long bus trips, long plane flights, a lot of time away from their family so that, so that they can entertain everybody else's family around the country. And that's The Bond. See you next week.